Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture podcast for part two of our best TV shows of 2022. If you haven't listened to part one, we covered numbers 10 through 6 on our top 10s, and today we have numbers 5 through 1. So go ahead and go back and listen to part one for the first half of our list, and now we're about to dive into numbers 5 through 1. My name's Ernest, and I am joined by Hunter and Drew, as usual. So enjoy as we talk about our favorite shows of the year. Here we go. Number five. This is like Bandersnatch, but just for Ernie. (laughs) (laughs) And it's after the fact. Um, My number five, I think we're going to have to wait on this again. It's the bear. Oh, we're going to have to wait on the fucking bear. We are going to have to wait on it. Oh, we're going to have to wait on the bear, huh? Okay. Okay. My number five is (laughs) Barry. Save it. Just for a bit. I didn't I didn't finish the season, so I was not able to rank it, unfortunately. Just 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 I for will a bit. Leave the we'll room. talk about Barry shortly. I'm sure that there is some Im- incalculable spoiler that I'm not gonna want to hear. So I'll leave the room for a minute if you guys want to end up talking about it. But for now. It was all a dream. That was fucking <laughs> nuts, man. Um, Number five, Drew. Um, let's talk about the after party. Nice. Hey! Hell yeah. Five is so worthy for this show. I so, think we both had it. Number nine. We both had it at nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't pop up on hardly anyone's. Dude, I noticed that. Every I think it came out list, too early in yeah, the Yeah, it was year. like February or something. Yeah. And, it, and it's on Apple TV Plus. Right. Yeah. There's only so much capacity yeah. and there's already one show that's popping up on it, the list. It, yeah. it actually it premiered in January of 2020. Christ. Too, so that's that's why it feels Everyone's like a just glued to For All Mankind. They can't get away. <laughs> that's. I'll let you <laughs> pop off on that. I'm so I'm sick sure of this. Co- coming up here. <laughs> Fucking, you like, can talk. You can talk about your silly little space gun show. They actually didn't make my list. Zoomers are flocking to for all men. <laughs> Dane is going to be heartbroken when he. I hears did a the whole news. episode with him, <laughs> and he would agree with me for season three not being on my list. It's okay. Anyway, the after okay. party. The after party rules. Um, I'm I've I've been in the bag for Lord and Miller for a long time. Um. This year I watched, or last year I watched Claudia with a Chance of Meatballs for the first time. Guess what? It's great because yeah. they're great. They're awesome. Um, Good movie. Yeah, they're just they're an unstoppable force. This is, I mean, this in particular is from the mind of Chris Miller, who's more of the you know the logistical brains beyond the operation. He and, is the director of every single yeah. episode, <laughs> and it shows that he he's like the you know the puzzle solver of the two because the entire show's a puzzle. The, you know, it all. It it all revolves around immensely complicated plot being told from like 20 different angles while at the same time being genre parody. Um, that's really hard. Like they it's really difficult, but it doesn't feel like a sweaty show. Um, great cast. Mm, incredible. Cast. Incredible cast that like leveled up a lot of Benny Schwaz. I don't think I wasn't on the episode whenever you you guys did an episode about the after party. We chatted about it. We talked about it in like hacks. Yeah. 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 I I think that I was I was absent for that. You had not seen the show um, at that point. And what happened was I got a horrible flu and I watched it all. Uh, I binged through the entire thing in one sitting. I just kind of sat through it and then I was like, I couldn't stop watching through it. And I think that it. 
I don't know. For me, it like was one of those rare shows where it really, really benefited from a binge model. And not in the way that it's like, oh, it's a cliffhanger, one episode to the next, but just in the episode in the way of like I just kept wanting to spend more time with these people. Like I will say, uh I'm not generally I wouldn't say I'm the biggest mystery box show fan or mystery box fan i should say or even like the murder mystery genre that has kind of cropped up lately so like i mean i like some we'll talk at least a little bit about glass onion next week whenever we do our best movies um if nothing else for honorable mentions but like i do find a lot of times with murder mysteries generally the murder the whodunit is one of the least interesting aspects of those shows i mean we're going to talk about white lotus shortly and that's kind of the whole conceit with white lotus is like oh my god there's this thing that's happening but especially in white lotus i'm like i don't really care about all that i just want to spend time with the characters and that's one thing that the after party nails is that each of these episodes you spend time with each of these individual characters and the genius of what uh, Chris Miller is doing is that he's sowing the seeds of putting these stories together to put these puzzle pieces together without it ever feeling like a puzzle. It never feels like a project whenever you're watching this, where I feel like a lot of these um, kind of Agatha Christie-styled shows are all about the mystery. They're all about the fan theorizing, trying to solve everything. And this doesn't ever feel like homework it's just fun because it's really funny and it's incredible actors doing incredible work it's also like one of the most unique shows ever ever yeah Yeah. every every episode is a different genre yeah Yeah, it's (laughs) that is new that is a new thing it's you know like shows have done that uh, but not by design. Like community start got into that. Always sunny even got into that in the like the late seasons mm-hmm. where they just start fucking around. I think this owes a lot to that. Definitely. But this is like by this is taking that and like cooking it into the DNA of the show, into the cell of the show. Like it's it's part Every, of everything. Yeah, it's it's a part of like the first line. It's like this is a murderous mystery told from the perspective of each character at the this party. And depending on who the character is, not only is a genre parody, but the genre befits the character. Um, that's yeah, it's and the entire presentation is informed. Like the yeah. Fast and Furious episode, the action movie episode, it looks like an yeah, action. They're all movie. direct a, yeah. the direction is wildly different. There's a fucking animated episode. Oh, there's a God. musical episode. That's my favorite. Yeah. Musical it, episode's the best. It's, it's and so you pull a lot of jokes from that, obviously. I mean, Lord and Miller have done that a, a zillion times, like yeah. pulled, you know, made genre jokes. Drew. You only get one shot twice. <laughs> you only get one shot twice. This party is awesome. <laughs> um, it it rocks. Uh, I love Dave Franco, and I don't care who knows. Mm-hmm. I think he. I think he rules. I think he's in on the joke of Dave Franco. Um, I don't know. It's just I. I get why this show wasn't widely watched. It, this isn't the easiest sell on most people. It is a COVID show, and sometimes it feels like it is a COVID show. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, it's totally fine. But I don't know. I think we need to support shows like this so that more shows like this get made. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There is a season two happening, which well, I'm glad. I think that one of the best things, because, I mean, Miller, of course, like has some experience doing 
kind of bending genres and fitting a bunch of stuff together. And so, and I knew a little bit of that going into the show, but I think more than anything, this kind of leveled up some actors in my mind for like what their potential was. Chief among them was Tiffany Haddish. To be perfectly honest, I just am not the most familiar with all of Tiffany Haddish's work. I've seen like Girls Trip and, you know, a couple Tiffany Haddish projects here and there, but this kind of showed a new range to what she's capable of doing that I just really loved. Of course you are having like the comedy bang, bang all stars in there of Ben Schwartz and Alana Glazer and Ike Barinholtz and like all these guys that have that comedic juice, Sam Richardson, of course, mm. our guy, um, secret MVP. Honestly, yeah, I mean, that's a guy who I knew that he had the comedic chops, but he does like just as an actor, he's just a great fucking actor in the show. It's also, it's interesting because, um, he is, even though like, like you're saying, like this is getting a second season and it's, it's going to be Tiffany Haddish as the detective, as the Benoit Blanc going to a new mystery. But Sam Richardson is the protagonist of this season. Mm -hmm. He's the main character. He is our episode one. And we also, even in other people's episodes, we get a lot of interstitials of him on little side quests, trying to solve the murder and clear his name, which add a lot to the show. Um, because it's, the amount of laser focus that this show has, I think that's the secret because that's how the show falls would fall apart is they're trying to do so much with genre uh, and mystery and letting actors cook creatively that they lose the thread and like the mystery just becomes a whatever. But this show is fucking it's dialed into the mystery. Like everything that happens is about the mystery. Every, like you are either uh, operating through like user you know like each person's account as told to tiffany haddish like narrated by them of what happened while she's grilling them or you're following a guy who is independently trying to solve the murder so the entire time your gears are turning on who did it um and mm -hmm. yet like any really good mystery they settle upon I think the perfect person. It's so yeah. good. We, it's we something talked about that this it, all the pieces come together and you're like, Oh, of course they, it's yeah. so satisfying. Yeah. Cause it, as you get to the end, like you've narrowed it down in your head, you're playing detective yeah. along and, and they've done a good, they do like any good mystery should, or even just like down to any like good law and order episode. They have showed you several people who very easily could be it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you have like your one that is the most obvious. You have the one that you think would be the most, surprising and then they still manage to surprise you i don't I, for what this show is it's perfect and it's really it bums me out that it hasn't gotten like any recognition at year end um you know come on the pod chris miller um, we we got you when does season two have a release date i don't think it's even started shooting yet oh okay i mean i'm excited for season two we got zach woods in there we got Paul Walter Hauser, Blackbird's own. Oh my God. Paul Walter Hauser. Golden Hauser's Globe here? winner. <laughs> Ken oh. Jong, John Cho. I'm excited. Um, that that rocks so hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love this show. Anna Conkle. It's. Yo, if, yeah. you're, if you're into um, kind of conceptual comedy, if you like shows like Community, I, I this feels like, you know, a kind of sidestep evolution of something mm -hmm. like community. Um, it's, I think it is a lot more, you know, conceptual, 
because it's not a sitcom setup. It it is yeah. It isn't allowed to just drop that facade when yeah, it wants to be yeah. a normal show again. Um, but for what it is, it's it's firing on all cylinders, yeah. you know, pretty much, and and you get a lot out of it through all these different genres. It's the best. It's I think like one of the best case scenarios of doing a comedy murder mystery television yeah. show. Like it's kind of the best possible version of yeah. this type and of story. It, and it gets, I don't know, it gets new novelty out of the idea because like the self-awareness in TV has, it's not novel anymore. Like, like community me when I was, you know, when I was 14, I was like, Oh my God, this is made by people who watch TV. Like, yeah, me. like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, it's, it's the best. It's the, well, I don't know if best is the right word, but it's the co- episodes of community that went farthest from the baseline you know the ones that that strayed farthest furthest from yeah. what you think a sitcom should be. Yeah, and it's they, like that. Yeah, and they you know they have musical episodes and they exactly. have animated episodes. Right. The they, com- it's the commitment to the bit. Mm-hmm. That's what the show does. It's exactly. like okay, we're gonna Commits do to we're gonna every episode. If we're gonna do a musical episode, it's gonna be a fucking musical exactly. episode. <laughs> it's it's just it's a really really good meeting of form and function. I think, and it's. I like I have faith that season two is going to accomplish the same thing, but um I don't know. I just I wish that I wish there was more space for stuff like this. Yeah. It kind of got lost in the sauce, but that's why we're here to give you, yeah. the audience, what's what's actually good. Yeah. And hey, that's- hey, put down your house of the dragon and fire up this like little startup called Apple. Yeah. Shows. Fire up that show. Instead. It's the after party. It's Drew's five and Hunter and I's uh, nine. All right. Number four, Hunter. Um, let's Number talk about four. Barry. Uh, I can talk about a spoiler-free con- context. So, Drew, you don't have to go anywhere. Um, I think there's a. this is probably the best season of Barry yet. Yeah. Honestly, um, it gets a lot darker this season. I know seeing it in the award shows as a comedy in the it's, comedy category breaks so, my brain. It's something that it's kind of moving further and further away from the premise of season one, which is like this serial killer who's trying to turn over a new leaf and embrace life as like a stand or as a, an improv guy, like as a comedian, it's moved so far into telling these like very, bleak stories so of Barry Berkman and Sally and Hank and Gene and all the and uh Fuchs in here like his whole plot line that happens this season still funny it's still funny that's the thing is because it's just like it can be a thing where it's like it feels like it's starting to get too serious and it's like oh we're just gonna get like uh I don't know get fucking uh just some incredible comedic actors in here just like do bits this whole time. So then you're just like laughing for the next four minutes. And then you're like, Oh my God, things are getting serious again. Oh, it gets no. It's so fucking serious. Elsie Fisher is in this season. Yeah. Um, and a recurring bit, uh, as she gets a role in a show alongside, uh, Sarah Goldberg, Sally, um, who that entire plot line is amazing because it, it encapsulates like, everything that we've been keeping up with this boom in the streaming industry and like the, you know, the notorious, like it's like that South park joke where it's like, hi, welcome to Netflix. What show would you like green lighted? Mm-hmm. Like you can just call yeah, yeah. them and they'll green light your show and then they'll cancel it. Welcome to Netflix. You've been greenlit. Exactly. And, um, 
it takes that idea to such extremes uh, where you get high comedy and high drama from the exact same premise. It's unreal what yeah. they accomplish. Um, and yeah, the, the Barry storyline, I think, is one of the darkest things I've seen in TV all year. Like the the depths that they sink this character into, the the lows that he goes to i i just don't i don't see how it can get any lower and i mean it's bleak without ever losing entertainment value because there's one thing like you to just make yourself make your show dark depraved whatever if the actual watchability of it goes down then that can be a detriment to the show not necessarily always because <laughs> I watched some kind of depraved shit. Well, the craft, um, but the craft is always there. The shots, the editing. So I would, that's the thing is I think that this is easily like the most well-directed season. The, the um, motorcycle chase episode. Yeah. I've never seen a, I've never seen a chase sequence shot like that. It's the, the Bill Hader uh, episode. It's a seven ten North seven ten N um, is, I think better than Ronnie Lilly as far as just like incredible piece of like action filmmaking directing here that like I was like gripping the seats of my couch as I'm sitting here watching this and like I can't believe that now we're doing this. I've never seen this. I've never seen somebody like speeding down a motorcycle in between like stop traffic on LA and it sound and look like this before it's has such a level of craft and technical expertise to it that is unbelievable. And where the story ends in season three, again, no spoilers. It kind of ends in a point where it's like, I don't know what's next. And I think that all three of I the think seasons, four, four has to be the, the last season. Well, like how- I don't know. Cause every season has ended with a point where you're yeah. like, how are they going to get how out? How are of they going to get out of this <laughs> season one? It starts with, um, um Barry killing uh uh what's her name the 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 detective oh that, that's the end of one yeah it's just like starting now and then season two ends with like another big Barry moment and then season three ends with like the biggest plot moment yet so like I just this show is special man it's so good everything that Bill Hader is doing is just like operating on such a level he's one of those guys where it's just like he has the Donald Glover trait where it's like, can you not be good at everything? Can you please just share the wealth a little bit, my guy of like, why? Oh, so now you're just going to be like a perfect director too to just go along with being like one of the funniest well, actors he, in the no, last th- 20 th- years. Like, this, what, is, this isn't fair. This is his thing. Yeah. Like if you've heard him in interviews, he is a movie nerd. He is a director yeah. nerd. And he, he always after, wanted to, he has the Bill, the Ben Stiller thing where he always wanted to be a director. And then he's like, oh, I'm funny. So I guess I'm just going to be a comedic actor. Yeah. Now. Bill, Bill Hader will, he'll direct a movie and it'll be incredible within also, the next five years. The very rare zero Nepo baby story. Mm-hmm. No nepotism with that guy. He's from Oklahoma and his, his family is not industry. Like he just. He's just a dork. And he, you know, his SNL story, it was very, very lucky how he got it. But yeah, he just, he got it because he's just good. Like he didn't, you know, like he's put a ton of work in, but he has the ability to see something and 
effectively learn how to do it pretty quickly. Yeah. I um I have heard that season four, he will direct every single episode of season four. Whoa, he's taking it from Alec Berg? Yeah. He's just like, That's hey, what I've heard. buddy. I mean, Alec Berg, I'm not going to take anything away from Alec Berg is also an incredible director and kind of helps write this whole thing. Like, co-show runs this thing with ben, Bill Hader, so... I am so glad that this show is back. Big gap between seasons. Season two was 2019. And then we got three in, in 2022. That might be why, like, you know, in Atlanta, which we'll get to in, in a bit, but why people kind of forgot about this show mm. because it just was gone from our lives for so long. That's a long time. Yeah. It's a long, I mean, yeah, 20 pre-pandemic. Uh, and it wasn't an early 2022 show either. It was, yeah, it was like April, May. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, so, yeah. The thing is, this is just like one of my favorites. This is going to be in the top five every single year that they put out a season. Like, it's just, this is just one of my favorite shows. So, it's quality, quality it's, show. And this is the best year yet. So, I love it. Barry, Hunters Four, my five. Drew, you're, oh, actually, we're at my number four, which is Atlanta. Uh, save it. Okay. Drew, you're number four. My number four. Is mm-hmm. <laughs> don't say it. This this is the, the two that I was flipping the absolute most, and I almost want to flip it in the moment right now. But I'm gonna say that my number four is the bear. You're gonna have to wait on that one. You're going to have to wait on that one. Oh my god! So we're top three now. Top three, baby. I think that we have. I all of our our top three is going to be on everybody's at least one other person's list. Ernest, I'm scared to say my number three because I think it's going to hurt your feelings. Okay, tell me, my number three is Better Call Saul. Oh uh, yeah, you're gonna have to I, wait on that I, one. Here's the thing. We are now. I said here's it. At the the, very, here's the thing. Here's I the said thing. it at the very top. My top three, I think, are all ten out of ten perfect seasons, and there's an argument for all of them to be. Okay. Uh, First of all, how dare you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how um, fucking actu- dare um, you? Um, actually. All right. Uh, so we're swinging back around to my number three. Oh man, this this is prime wabam right now. Just like <laughs> just, we're just saying you, names you. of shows without actually talking about them. <laughs> my number three is the rehearsal. This is what the people. Uh, want. Yeah, you're gonna have to wait on that one. <laughs> True. Number three. White Lotus. All right. Let's okay. Talk we White can talk Lotus. about the White Lotus. Yeah. Ooh, I wanted to keep going. <laughs> uh, I love this show. It's in, it's in my top 20. I love the show. Love the season. Uh, there's an argument for it to be lower on my list because re-wa- I rewatched uh, good chunks of season one and I think it's better. Um, season two is m- way more outsized. It's way it's bigger like it is broader i would say uh comedically like the character it's it still manages to like focus zero in on what it is which is it's a comedy of manners you know you're you're um i forget who said it but some critics said that it's it's almost like you're watching a reality show with like you know like it's that's why it's a good couple show for example because you're you're zeroing in on like the little tiny interactions that people are making and being and like making a mountain out of a molehill. You're like, holy fuck. Like he raises eyebrows there. He wants to fuck um, in the same way that you would like watching Survivor or something like that. Uh, that said, I don't know the things. I don't want to say that this the story gets away from Mike White because it doesn't because he's he remembers that the. 
the story comes secondary. It's like you said, there, it's a mystery box where the mystery doesn't matter. It's, I think that the biggest credit to the show, it's the same thing as season one, is that it's just, he writes characters and like, he writes themes better than just about any other director. Like season one is just like, I want to make this incredible, incredibly like gutting tale about class. And then season two is just like, I want to tell a story about sex and how sex corrupts everyone and everyone can be corrupted by sex and power. And at that, it's just like, well, he's just the best at doing that. Like, it, I don't really know anybody else who's doing... I have it at eight on my list, and, like, it could be higher, because he also uh, is able to simultaneously do the thing where he is revitalizing careers, thinking specifically of Jennifer Coolidge, of our guy, Michael Imperioli, um, mm. who's just... Of well, F. Murray Abraham needs no revitalization. He's an absolute stone cold legend. King. Um, but also able to make movie stars. Um, Theo James and uh, who is it? Um, Ethan. Well, Theo Ethan. James who plays. Uh, I, not so much on Ethan. I have different thoughts on Ethan, <laughs> um, who I think is the weakest part of the show. Yeah, that guy's like a wet Cam- towel, Cameron. Um, the, no, the no, James, plays, James Cam- plays Cameron. Uh, what is his wife's name? The actress. Daph- plays- oh, well, Daphne yeah, is was, the character. No, no, no. I'm trying to figure out what Daphne's, uh, the actress. Megan Fahey. Um, both of those are just like straight up movie stars. Like, I want to put those guys in everything, especially, I mean, Theo James has just the leading man persona to him that like, there's, after seeing him in White Lotus, he has the body of a leading man, but now I'm like, there's something dark under the surface that I'm going to see in him in every performance that he's giving. Megan Fahey is playing such a nuanced role in this show. And the more, the more farther apart I get from white Lotus, the more I think about her and her character and how leveled of a performance she's giving, because she's the only person who's like come to a state of acceptance in her situation. And it's just like, I'm going to extract my revenge here in the most tactical way possible. Um, spoilers for White Lotus season two, but specifically thinking of uh, like, oh, you should get yourself a trainer. He's so cute. He has like blonde hair and blue eyes. Here's a picture of him. And then shows a picture of her oldest son. <laughs> Fucking. I was like, oh, my yeah. God, that's so ice cold right and there. And then the button, and the so button cool. at the end of of the season yeah with and and i hey, mentioned there's this, this island over there we should go check it out well no I, I mentioned this when uh when you and i talked about it drew but the moment where cam is looking in the mirror flossing because he doesn't want to go talk to the kids that are not his kids yeah he knows especially at least the oldest one he knows that ain't his fucking kid dude <laughs> that's such a good like it's little so last good. moment for those for that arc like oh it's it's so good i i love the show i I think that Mike White, you know, we'll see with season three, but he's kind of like carving out his own little playground here to kind of do whatever he mm. wants yeah. and go to exotic locales and hang out with his friends and just like fuck around and make just cool <laughs> shit. Just get HBO to throw him hundreds of millions of dollars to like just be in the most beautiful places in the world. It's great. Yeah. He and just, then go to the Golden Globes and just get plastered. And cry. Just sob. Sob at Jennifer Coolidge's acceptance it. speeches. <laughs> it's, it's a great season of TV. It also, 
it has one of my favorite things that a any show because like I, I see that these seasons as like I act as if they're a TV show. So uh, this would be the equivalent of if in like, you know, in season two, when a character is introduced on a TV show that just absolutely slays season three, that's Tom Hollander when he comes in and like F3 yeah. of this, when <laughs> he comes in, it is, the, it is the right moment to introduce something new. Like, and he, he brings exactly what I, I was missing from the season, him and his entire cohort, including the, the kid we, who, yes, yes, we talked about this. Yeah. Guy. Who's one of my favorite performances on the show um like just perfectly slimy grimy um but and he's dark. not presented that way at first I will, leo leo he, woodall as jack he's presented in a way where he's like the bad boy yeah but not necessarily and he kind of ends up in a weird place where he's like almost a henchman more than he's necessarily yeah. like the perpetrator of evil um it's just <laughs> this show does such a good job of writing a fine line of even and I'll try and tiptoe around spoilers, but even like as the episodes, the season's ending, if you've seen the first white list, you know, it ends with a murder. I was questioning like, is there a reason to be freaked out here? Are we like good? Is sh- they're just like paranoia <laughs> creeping in here. Like as we're sitting there on the boat, I'm like, Oh, in the last episode. Yeah. I was just like, is she just like kind of over exaggerating here? Are things like fine. Like, is it just like, are they just trying to make a pitch on why she should invest in like, renovating old Italian homes here. (laughs) And like, it does do a good job of kind of keeping that mystery aspect without the show ever becoming about the mystery. Well, the writing, it plays around, you know, it, it makes you, it's very fun. It it reminds you that like, yes, this is a murder mystery, but we're going to have fun with it. We're going to like, I don't know. His writing style is like, he knows that, you know, that you're trying to outpace him, that you're trying to outthink him and he's throwing in little things to try to throw you off. And it just, it just makes for a fun watching experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it keeps it engaging. It keeps it fun. Um, also just want to give a shout out to Haley Lou Richardson, who plays Portia, um, who I hadn't really seen her in anything before. Hey, she, she was dude, in, she's in after Yang. She is in after that. Well, that's what I was going to say before this year. Okay. I haven't seen her in anything because I also, I recognized her from after Yang and I was like, oh, I didn't, I, hey, I, it's Ada. I, she looks completely different. Um, I, uh, I didn't, I couldn't place her on the spot, but it, also I know she's, she was an edge of 17, which was the main thing that I recognized her from a movie that I loved. What was that? Like six years ago? Yeah, seven years ago. Um, but uh, I thought that she was really incredible and really the closeted MVPs of the entire show. And I don't know how much y'all talked about it whenever you did your White Lotus, your White Lotus review is uh, Beatrice Grano and uh, Simone Tabasco. Simona Tabasco. Oh, the sex worker. Who plays, uh, who is it? Mia and Lucia? Yeah. Is that her name? Lucia. Lucia yeah me and Lucia um which in a show that's in a season of television that's all about sex uh they fucking own as like the like the 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 escorts the 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 hookers as the sex like they have such a moment to shine and I feel like they become kind of the glue to keep the show together and to make all these interstitial plot lines between the um 
the three generations and the two the couples and like they they kind of unite everything in this like really really beautiful way and how their and story the, ends the is manager just like beautiful yeah of course or not or i don't is she a manager yeah the, valentina yeah, yeah yeah um which i will say i don't i don't want to say it but like you know, we I didn't mean, have Murray I th- Bartlett. I think that I think that she's I think that she's great. I think that Sabrina um Impasatore is doing great work, but I was missing her by Murray Bartlett as Armand. Incredible. <laughs> there's no there's no Murray Bartlett. Hey, hey, I'm 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 pulling the lever, I'm cranking open the spotlight, we're shining the light. Murray Bartlett is back. This weekend, I don't know if he's in the episode, but he is in The Last of Us. He will be back on our screens <laughs> in oh, an HBO. And uh, HBO. a role that's been described as different. <laughs> I think he's <laughs> playing the same. Role in the White Lotus. I think he's playing the same character. It's a flashback, right? Isn't The Last of Us a flashback to White Lotus? It's a prequel. Yeah, cool. yeah. that's where okay. it all. That's where it all starts. Yeah, cool. <laughs> it all starts in The White Lotus. Um, do we think there's going to be a recurring character from this that's going to pop up on next season? Like Jennifer, are they going to keep doing that? Two, I kind of would think it's fun if it's they bring one character over from each season. I mean, really, Loki could just be John Grease pops up as Greg, mm. uh, based on <laughs> oh without, without spoiling the events of season two. <laughs> that would be crazy. Our um, guy might appear in season three. So people have been speak talking of praying that laura dern will show up in season three because she voiced voice as cameo season two yeah wait yeah. she's wait what she's his wife she's imperioli's she's wife screaming wife. at him oh yeah. my god i did not Chrissy. know that's the queen laura dern yeah yeah voice I want, how about this can we get laura dern to go there and can we get um i'm what is uh um ethan's wife she's not on the wikipedia for some reason aubrey uh, plaza or no not ethan um Oh, Daphne, Daphne. I can we get Daphne to get out of that fucking that fucked relationship with Cameron? And can we just have the two of them palling around? And no, what's the next Tropical? We've so, been we've been so to Hawaii. We've Mike been White, to Mike Italy. White has uh, been teaching uh, teasing Japan. Ooh, that's the tease. So nothing's yeah. been confirmed, okay. but that's what he. Teased. It's going to be about weebs. Yeah, the season three theme. The the whites take <laughs> Japan. Uh, here's the pitch. Um, Albie, Adam DeMarco, he becomes a big fan of big titty Japanese women mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. and he wants one for himself he, well, and he will stop at nothing. He's going to be, well, I mean, he's still a good boy. He's just a good guy. Maybe yeah, he's a nice guy. I don't know the way that it ends in the, the airport with all three generations kind of looking back at it. A uh, great, great ending moment. Um, men be horny. Yeah, men um, do be hornies, though. I Who? think I, you just gave me a great <laughs> idea, which this can be related to the Albi plot or not. But a a dude who's so into like a specific artist, like hentai porn, that he he kidnaps them like misery <laughs> oh <my> and, <laughs> just, and ties them up. <laughs> you know, he's like, no, her aerials wouldn't look like that. <laughs> it's like it's Silence of the Lambs meets. Uh, <laughs> meets like weeb culture <laughs> oh my god would it be uh i mean in terms of male characters there's not a lot of options for that unless you bring someone back from the first season 
That's what Travis Bickle would be doing in 2023. Yeah. Like you bring back, you bring back Quinn. He you bring back the, the on the skin. Steve Zahn's son. Oh the yeah. First season. Now Quinn is, Quinn is freed. Quinn is a new man by the end of that season. Quinn rocks. Any, uh, any last thoughts on white Lotus before we move on? Great show. Great show. Great yeah, show. Excellent show. All right. That is Drew's three and Hunter's eight. So we are back at two Hunter. What's your two? Atlanta. Um, Drew, can we talk about it yet? Did you mention it? I didn't, I didn't finish Atlanta. Oh, it's not on your list. Okay, so let's talk um, about it. Here's the thing about Atlanta. Um, it is up there with my favorite shows ever made. Um, it's like truly on my pantheon of just like... I think that, at least for television that I have watched, I think that it is on the A tier on the tippy tippy top tier with the best television shows of our generation. Um, yeah, I, I think that it's kind of undeniable. I think everything that does season three, people hated at the time. And I think that there is going to be, I think that I, I keep thinking about the quote from, uh, Andy Greenwald of, uh, of the watch where he said, um, he, was, know, he wasn't some, a fan, right? He was not a fan. Yeah. Uh, where he said, you know, some shows like can go off the rails uh, in a certain season. And Atlanta season three decided that they no longer believe in trains, <laughs> which is a perfect way to state what happens there because it kind of just abandons plot altogether. It abandons the characters it and the stories that it we've says, known. Actually, let's just not spend any time with the Keith Stanfield yeah. and we're actually going to spend half this season just going all in on like these urban myths and legends and just doing like sh- we're just going to make like eight short films basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, but you still get they still it, sprinkle in the the European you know adventures of our of our crew. And that's some of the best stuff too. And, you know, we talked about it in the, in the mid-year draft, but you know, these, these, this cast, these people, these artists, they're very busy. They have a lot going on. They, you know, it was a lot to ask, you know, also throw in a fucking global pandemic to get more out of them. And we're lucky we got what we got. And so I think the short films, the anthology episodes were just a way to pad out the season uh, so that it wasn't, you know, just a five episode season. So I get the, you know, the from the production angle, from the behind the scenes angle, why they did it. But from a, a thematic angle, it adds so much mm-hmm. more to the overall uh ambition of the project to be like okay it's not just about these people it's also about these bigger ideas about society and culture and how we relate to each other and how we turn on each other and when we decide to uh fall in line with the norms of culture or when a a wrench is thrown into those norms and how we react to them um it, I don't know if it always works a hundred percent, but it's fucking swinging for the fences, man. It's going for it. That's the thing about, and I mostly want to talk about season four. Cause if I had to put one season of this show, then it would be season four. Of course they released two Which seasons this year. Only one um, anthology episode. Yeah. The but, goof, the goof, what is it called? The goof who stood by the door. Oh man. I, which 
God damn that episode. We'll, we'll get to it in a moment, but I think that that's the thing that you mentioned about just swinging for the fences is the thing that I admire most about season three. And the reason why I think that the season's going to age incredible Atlanta as a whole is going to age so well, dude. Like it's like, it's kind of timeless. Like, I don't really think, I think that 20 years from now you could come back to this show and watch it and it's going to age like fucking fine wine. And the season like season three, I could easily see it being revitalized as like, is this the best season of Atlanta? Because it is so going for just everything of like, we want to tell every story that we can. And we have so many different ideas. We're going to do an episode about what if reparations happened and none of our guys are going to be in it, but you know, who's going to be in it. Remember that dude from national treasure. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to bring him in. He's He's going to be the main character for this episode. Like it's doing all these kind of crazy wild things. And you're right. It doesn't have a hundred percent hit rate. I would even say it's the worst season of Atlanta. But this also as a just piece of but even, television, but it and has art is the, the, best the Europe thing. the Europe episodes. I think are all bangers. Yeah, no, they are. Yeah, I still think that season three, season three alone would have made my list. I don't know if it would have made number like if I was just looking at season three. I don't know if it would have ended up at number two necessarily. Yeah, but like, maybe like eight somewhere around that. Yeah, range. like more in the yeah. mid range. I want to talk about season four though. Because dude, it goes out on a high note. Here's man. the thing. Season four is like it it vies for being the best season of Atlanta yet. So. Like yeah. it's just so perfect in everything it's doing. It closes it's, all the loops, all the questions that but, you have about these people and like who they are and what their origin is and where they're going in life. It ties it all up. But in the most Atlanta way possible. Yeah. It's never, this isn't it's never ever like a be very a, special episode of Atlanta. Yeah. It's never going to be like, here's a plot heavy exposition episode of Atlanta. It gives it's you just enough just telling you all these bit. things. And I, so many thoughts about the finale, which is just, oh my God. Uh, talk about it. Just a finale that just like, not necessarily, it doesn't have the emotional gut punch of like the season finale of Reservoir Dogs, but of just something that like made me so emotionally overwhelmed while watching because of just spending so much time with these characters. I will get to that in a second, but I just think that where the season goes as a whole, especially some major highlights for me are the homeliest little horse, which is a masterclass in spite. I consider myself, a, I can be a little bit spiteful the at greatest times. prank of all time. It's really the, it's something that you're just watching. And it's like, I, I clapped my hands while watching the episode. I was like, bravo, you you did it. You had this whole other plot thread. And I was wondering, like, what the fuck is, is happening? Well, season three has some plot threads that you think are going to connect back in. They don't ever really connect back in. So I almost was watching episode two thinking, like, oh, maybe this is just kind of its own story. Yeah. Maybe it's maybe it's like thematically thematically yeah. it's going to teach us <laughs> some kind of a lesson. And the way that it loops back in is so beautiful. I think my favorite episode of the entire season is uh, White Ethic, which is when they go to the Tyler Perry Studios. Oh, my God, dude. Oh, my <laughs> Mr. God. Chocolate. <laughs> Mr. Chocolate. Donald Glover just... <laughs> I cannot... No. <laughs> just 
I cannot believe that man, everything. Donald Glover is insane. I he is a crazy person. My mouth was just like <laughs> dropped the entire episode because I could not believe what was happening. Yeah. It's almost like it's, I, it's like the Wizard of Oz, but it's Tyler Perry. Yeah. This in this be- facility that's like its own nation inside <laughs> of Atlanta with its own government. I This will be the last time I reference another podcast, but I think that uh, listening to the Prestige TV Ringer podcast oh, with episode with Van and Charles about this episode in particular is like required listening yeah. after watching they this episode. They killed it. They killed it. It's so First, much about yeah. it is talking about the Tyler Perry of it all and like there's some mean spiritedness to it. Like a real level of like, kind of like this man is destroying black culture by making like schlock and making stuff. That's just for like black audiences and And, not cranking it out in like an assembly line fashion. Move on to the next shot. (laughs) Uh, That was just a blocking scene. Move on to the next shot. We'll fix it in post. Fix it in post. (laughs) So good. It's so, so good. And like, there's that, but also it's not just entirely mean spirited. Like there is something about like, how do you criticize work? Yeah, it's work. It's giving people who don't otherwise have the opportunity to work in this industry, a chance to work in this industry. Like, Tyler Perry Studios, the lot Tyler Perry Studios where he owns is where Black Panther was shot. Like that is not it is not something that's just producing Medea films. Like it is like a real place and opportunity for people who did not historically necessarily have that chance to get there. So everything that that episode is trying to communicate and then meanwhile the conclusion of just seeing Donald Glover with a beret and PJs on and like a well, fat it's, suit. It's, it's it's him letting you know, like, I still got it. It's, like, we've been gone. We've been gone for a minute. <laughs> you might have forgotten, but we still fucking got it. Because it's like uh, you're, you're waiting for him to like, is he going to do Teddy Perkins again? Yeah, like, we're going to get gonna another happen? one of those like big transformation episodes. Yeah. And it's yeah, there's a little bit of that. Um, but also... The way that Atlanta does an A plot and a B plot in any given episode is just kind of better than it. It really it kind of harkens back to like community where the B plots become just as interesting as the A plots. Yeah. And kind of you you the two are in the guy, the guy that, thinking, that one episode where um, <laughs> where Paperboy goes to the mall. Oh, the <laughs> oh, the crank that killer episode, yeah. dude. And and. Earn, <laughs> earn them are just trying to get some shoes and they're like, let me see two kiss. <laughs> Come on, kiss for me. It's so good. It's man. so good. It's a perfect, perfect send off for the show. It brings it, the, the thing the fourth season does is it brings it back to basics for mm-hmm. the most part. Like you still get these touches of like the, the grandeur that the show became, but it, it has a, a lot of moments that feel like early season one Atlanta, where it's just like, all right, we're just gonna, we're just gonna give you something really simple, but we're gonna go all in on it, and we're gonna explore every nook and cranny of this really simple plot, but it, we're gonna do it in a way that nobody else could yeah. ever do it. Um, Drew just walked back, so I don't want to necessarily spoil one of the episodes, but the goof who sat by the door that you mentioned is another just absolute standout. It's 
uh, episode that I had, I don't even want to mention where that episode goes because it was such a thrill to watch it live. That like revisionist history of a incredible classic Disney's nineties film can, in a documentary by the form. title of the episode. Um, it's so good. But I, uh, I just think the, the special thing about Atlanta is that we've talked about kind of the, the laughs that it gives you the humor, but also like it still does have the ability to like give you an existential crisis in any given episode. It still has the ability to just kind of completely gut you in a way of like giving you something that's so emotionally effective and so emotionally poignant. The uh, snipe hunt episode. That's just kind of a one-off of, I Earn needed, and Van I needed, and Lottie. I needed that episode. It's just, it's something that like, I just, wa- I watched it early in the morning the, for the some whole, reason. The and whole it's, series, the whole fucking series, you're wondering what is going on yeah. with Earn and Van. What and is their just deal? you need that moment that's just like, oh, oh man, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for this. I was expecting another like crank that killer episode to somebody trying to kill people who made soldier boy videos. I wasn't so, ready for this. So lovely. It's so good. And then the final episode, um, it was a, all a dream. A Darius episode. It, gotta ends, end it, on it Darius. ends on a Darius episode, but I, I just shout out, shout out to the show. I'm going to message so much. Shout out to Donald Glover, fucking Lakeith, fucking, uh, Brian Terry Tyree Henry, Henry just one of the best actors Zazie that we Beat, have working. Hero Mirai. Oh my God. It's so perfect. Like this show is just so special and it's just going to stay in my heart forever that like, this is one of the best pieces of art that we will have. I've already started rewatching it. I've started rewatching yeah. it with a uh, wife of the pod Gaia. Cause Hell I'm like, I just want to keep, I want this to like how I used to be with the office. I'm cool with just doing that with Atlanta. We can just keep a constant loop of episodes running at all times in our house. Cause the show is that special to me. I love it so, so much. Atlanta. It's Hunter's number two. My number four, Drew number two. Drew's not a fan of Donald Glover. He's talked about this in the past. My number two is, I believe your number two, Mr. Bear. Wait, I thought you had already brought up the bear. No, did I? What fuck. was your number four? Ah, oh, fuck. Did I? Man. Have you talked about severance? I think you said bear at four. That's what I wrote down. I'm sorry. My number two is the rehearsal. You have to save it. You're going to have to save that, buddy. Really? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. Shocking. God damn. Shocking moment. That wow. Drew did not put the rehearsal at number one. I'm my number two. Blindsided. Oh my god. <laughs> Severance is that good, man. I'm I'm hurt. Fuck. I'm appalled. Ben Stiller getting his dick sucked tonight. Yeah. Shit. Benny, get back over here. <laughs> By Nathan Fielder. This is what he does it for. Okay. Let's talk about the bear. My number two. Oh, wait, I'm skipping over your number two. Oh, wait. I'm, no, my number two is Atlanta. God. Man, this is this is. This There's is good so, podcasting is what this so is. many skips. I have the, I, the columns in the spreadsheet Where? are in the wrong order. Wait, what, what, uh, <laughs> I know. why did you do this? My, my what is note your... is so fucked. <laughs> that's how I fucked that up. Cause the order is Hunter me drew, but that's not the and order then, of the columns. And then drew hopped up in here in the middle between both of us. So it's jumping around and the it's, bear. It's okay. Also, when I went to go to the bathroom, my migraine came back, so I sat down to piss just so I could like shut my eyes. <laughs> nice, cool, yeah, cousin, 
Gazin. What's up, you fucking replicants? I think that there is a silent uh, majority of people who are not getting why the bear is so high on so many lists. And I think that you can't treat it like a magic eye puzzle. I don't, I, you can't look at it too hard. You know what I mean? You just, it's, it's like surface level perfect show. Like it just is. So, you know, the, the title of this episode is the best TV shows. And I think, I definitely think that the bear is one of the best TV shows, but more so than that, it's a documentary about what it's like to work in yeah. the service as industry. all th- all three of us are from the service industry we we were hardened by the flames of a of a flat flat top grill so yeah. i think that 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 makes us predisposed to love a show as, like as many people are in yeah. our generation like most people that you know have either worked in the kitchen or served at a restaurant or anything relating to this world and as you boys know I am a huge fan of movies about food. You know, Ratatouille is a staple of this podcast. Burnt. <laughs> Bradley Cooper's Burnt, which I watched in an airport. Rat- Ratatouille, you, I didn't want to brush past that. Ratatouille is one of the best movies of the 21st century. Yeah. We love Pig, Nick Cage, Pig. Mm-hmm. You know, there, mm-hmm. there's there's a, 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 a... Chef. Chef. You know, the thing about, like, the stories about food is a lot of times, like, they're not they're either not that good or they don't capture like what it's actually like to work in this environment they they focus on other things you know on like how food tastes or you know or they some romance yeah they romantic or they romanticize the food industry right um this this is about the chaos the pain the fucking just non-stop freight train uh in your face fucking insanity of what it's like to be in a fast-paced kitchen and there are times during this show where you might feel like it's overdone a little bit like it's like it's cranked up a little bit too high but i've talked to people that have been in restaurants (laughs) where it's fucking cranked up too high yeah no i i think that I mean, I guess there is a little bit of that complaint with that show. I think, if anything, one thing that I've heard about this show is that it – and this is – it's funny that I've heard this complaint against this show because this is actually one of the biggest things I love about this is that this feels like a TV show. This yes. feels like a show that was made to be around for five seasons where a lot of shows like this are like, we got to fucking throw everything at this because we're not going to – we have yeah. to put – Every plot thread out here, we have to throw everything on the page. We have to have a whole episode about this one thing because this is the these are all these ideas that it's, we have. It's a cast and of characters in one location, and you get to know them as they interact in that location. Yeah, that's every it's, that's every great TV show. <laughs> uh, Jeremy Allen White Dude. is one of two guys who I've had to convince uh, Gaia is hot. Over the course of this year, and she's now bought Convince? in. Yeah, no, she was like, she saw and she wasn't into it. The other one, Glenn Powell. 
And then she saw Glenn okay, Powell. Well, I get that. She one. saw Glenn Powell speaking at the Golden Globes last night. And she's like, I don't know, I can't have butterflies in my stomach when he speaks. And I'm like, I told you, look at him. He's and a she cutie didn't pie. when when Jeremy Allen White won his Golden Globe. I think it's because uh, from Shameless, she wasn't really as oh. into him. Well, he has short hair um, on that. But now it's just like you have to see him. He's working in a, dep- in a kitchen and he looks crazy depressed and sleep deprived. And she's like, All right, now I can buy so in. So when when he won his Globe the other night, I immediately in my head clock like okay it's because of the finale because he gives this incredible monologue one take monologue uh, that just unlocks like so much pain because this uh, as much as this show is about like restaurant culture and all this it's also about loss and mm-hmm. grief yeah because there's this the character of mikey that kills himself um this that's not a spoiler that's like the premise of the show is carmy is working at the restaurant because his brother killed himself and left him the restaurant Mm -hmm. it hangs over the entire story Mm -hmm. and it's not until the last episode that you get this like catharsis in this uh al-anon speech that he gives and when the globes happened the other night i was like yeah he won because of that speech because it's an incredible piece of acting an amazing monologue and then i went back after after the globes last night and i Yesterday, I almost watched this entire show <laughs> again. I had to skip a little bit because I didn't have enough time. I watched like the first three episodes and then like the last two. You had to watch um, the second to last. You got to watch the one take episode. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> you got to watch that. I watched the fucking it's... episode seven and then I was like, oh, my boy won for this episode too. Yeah. <laughs> he just... is unreal. Yeah, it's just I. it's the type of stuff that. Uh, a lot of the time, if you were to describe it to me, might come across as annoying. Like it sounds super crafty, the show, um, like like craft heavy. And it is. There's so Christopher Storer, you know, he he's taken a lot of people, you know, out like by by surprise because he, he doesn't have a ton to his name before this. Um, but yeah, there's a one take episode that doesn't feel like it is trying to show you what a director can do. Like it is, it is well acted, well paced, well conceived. Um, it makes sense for it to be one take. Well, for yeah, for the feeling, because we've all we've been we've all been there when those fucking tickets don't stop coming out. Yep, and they keep <laughs> coming and coming. And you, if you've worked at a restaurant before, you know you've had a day when you wanted to quit on the spot. Everyone has had that day. Mm-hmm. And that's what this, that's the feeling that this episode You get is. one played out and then four more come in. It's just one of those <laughs> things that just, it feels like you're going to drown. And this does capture that feeling of feeling like you're going to drown. But it's also, this isn't like an uncut gems show where it's just the entire movie is running at that level. I think that one of the good things about the show is that there are quiet moments yeah. in here. I think that the quiet character moments work exceedingly well. Cause I think without those moments, you have a show that's really good, but not necessarily a show that is as transcendent as this is at least this one season of television between Jeremy Allen White, um, Eben Moss, Bacharach, who we mentioned earlier. Um, Dude, he is cousin Richie. Fucking unreal. Cousin Richie, immediately an iconic character. Yeah. Just like, like this immediately. Is, this, is, just, this is John Bernthal's status, who is also in this fucking show. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> dropping his fucking dick on the table. What a year. I, man. But it approaches that level of just like, oh the, my God, is it I want the first wanna... episode when he just like busts out a gun, just like shoots yeah. in the air. Like when there's people like crowd, like, hey, what's hey. up? You motherfucking, you Snyder cut 
4 chan QAnon motherfuckers. <laughs> it yeah, it's. It, it, I mean, all around it rules. Uh, I've also I've been listening to the Iowa Debris on podcasts since like oh man, I Iowa think Debris. like since like 2017. Mm-hmm. She's special. She's really she's good. So at this. good. Um, yeah, she's going to have a crazy career. She's still. I mean, she yeah, she's not you know someone who just like looks young, so they take young roles. She's just young. <laughs> Yeah. Um and she's she's phenomenal. Um she, she goes toe to toe with these aggro ass motherfuckers. Yeah, she she's playing a a very lived in character. The show in generally feels very lived in and I think I think the crux of the argument for why I would recommend it to people is the monologue episode because that's the exact type of episode I would usually I I would it would lose me. Um I'm not a fan of that type of writing and acting because I I, especially in a show like this, that, that largely does stick to some conceivable reality. Yeah. That's the hardest thing to write in a conceivable reality. And they do it. It's a monologue that like moment to moment feels like it is happening. Yeah. Um, you like, it has an emotional through line to it that isn't orated. You're not being told a story. Um, it feels, it feels real. It feels like someone is genuinely in a very measured pace spilling his guts. Yeah. And um, that's someone, someone who doesn't usually do that type of thing. Yeah. And that's, that's the type of character that's, they set up his it, relationship with, with, um with Richie. They don't talk. Yeah. They don't get vulnerable. Um, Yeah. And, and his sister too. Right. Um, Sugar. It, it, yeah. So it, I don't know. It's all very sensible and thought out. Uh, and it, that's fucking craft because what, what those episodes come down to it's not about shot selection and like location scouting right. and budget meetings. That is the episode that is all about rehearsal. Like that mm-hmm. is the entirety of the episode is the director and writer, you know, sitting there with the actor thinking like, okay, in this moment it, you know, do we want to pause or do we want to keep, you know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's a million micro decisions that end up feeling like they're not decisions at all. And that, I think is the hardest thing that you can do in television. So congrats. Uh, it's, it's, and like you said, Hunter, the, the show leaves so much on the bone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's so much, there's season so two much could left. just be better. The tomato cans. One. Yeah. It's, what's going to happen with all that? Because there's, it's short. The episodes are short. Not yeah. a lot of plot happens. Mm. Like it's, it's, it's like, eight half hour episodes. Yeah. Like four and hours not, total. You know, they vary in, in pace and they vary in structure. Like one of them is just a side quest to like, you know, go the cater, birthday party. cater a kid's party. Yeah. And you learn about, uh, you know, the characters pass and the exposition. And also it's funny. Uh, and also it's still an acting and directing. And showcase. accidentally giving some kids some Xanax. Um, yeah. I love but that. it's fine. Can we do that? Um, is, is that allowed? I have a godchild, and I'm going to go ahead and say, like, please don't <laughs> give my godchild Xanax. Wow, I mean, that's that. I I don't think I've ever heard someone flex being a god. I think we should give it a shot. I'm the godfather. <laughs> Any last thoughts on the bear? It's a great show, man. John I can't wait for it to come back. It's supposed War- to come out summer 2023. Oh, I don't think it has actual release date. But the, the John Bernthal bit in the bear like warmed my heart so much because the, you're waiting to see who the fuck Mikey is. Like he mm-hmm. just hangs you're over like, this, this better story. Be yeah. John Bernthal. And then when it cuts, <laughs> oh my God. Well, it starts, it's, that episode starts with the flashback of him telling the story and making the 
whatever food he's making. And it's just like, it all, it all clicks. Like talk about perfect casting where it's like, as soon as you see him, it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. of course, of course this guy left such a fucking hole in these people's lives. Mm-hmm. He's Wayne Jenkins. It's <laughs> fucking Wayne Jenkins. He actually isn't dead. He didn't kill himself. He's just uh, in prison for 25 years. Well, talk, talk um, about range too. I, like, yeah. you know, you Our go guy. from like, from we own this city, like the terrifying, like just insanity of that to just, oh man, I, I love this guy. This is, this guy warms my heart. I did want to say, I put this at number five on my list. It could have been higher, but part of me almost wanted to pair this with Reservoir Dogs. Reservation. Reservation Dogs. It's good thing that I never made that mistake ever before in the last two hours um, with Reservation Dogs because both of them have kind of a little bit of a similar premise where it's like a person or a group of people who's like really deeply emotionally affected by somebody close to them in their lives who committed suicide. And the suicide does not feel like a plot device. It does not feel like that's just a thing to put you in a situation and it has no actual meaning behind it. I think that both reservation dogs and the bear, the way that they kind of tackle the grief and kind of the, the level of depression that you can have in your life when there is somebody in your life who not, they did not die because of, some natural cause or even because of a disease, but because of they were taken too young because of something that is in a way preventable. I think that like the way that both those shows handle that idea is just like so, so beautifully done. And the cloud that the death of these characters who for the most part, you don't see in either of these shows, you can feel the gravity of the situations on all the characters. And I think that, the way that is handled is just beautiful. Amazing. Absolutely beautiful. Yes. Yes, chef. Yes, chef. Um, real quick. Uh, I did a quick Google about movies, about food. I want you to tell me is uh season one of the bear just talking about the food wise. Is it better or worse than the menu? Better. Wait, well, come on. Uh, sausage party. Way worse. better. Julie and Julia. Haven't seen it, but I'm going to say better. Ratatouille. Let's say worse. Come on. Rat- you can't compare it to Ratatouille. Ratatouille is better. Um, Ratatouille is like the, one of the best movies ever. Uh, last one, A Bug's Life. <laughs> what? what? It's a movie about food, according to this. It's a fantasy food film. I do have... I, have, I mean, in the way that like eating grub is... <laughs> in I, the way that like eating the little grubs that they eat in Lion King is food. Hunter, you know I have... A letterbox. I know list. that you, I. This was just me inviting you to pull up letterbox real quick. God damn it! It's um, going to be just the exact same title. It's called listed. the Great Movie Bake Off. <laughs> it's uh burnt. It's the founder. All right. It's Ratatouille, First Cow, the little dumplings, the little there's some the cakes, yummy ass oil oil yummy cakes. Ass cakes. Man, retroactively, I'd like to award that movie with the um, Mank Award. <laughs> What's the Mink Award? The, Watch it on 1.25 times <laughs> oh, speed. Yeah. <laughs> that bitch is slow. Uh, that, that movie is like the the ultimate like uh, uh, what's the 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 bit the like putters and murmurs award mm, of just hey, like don't talk shit about First Cow right now. I We're love, celebrating no, no, food. I love that movie. First Cow made all of our top tens. I love First Cow. Kelly Reichert uh, has a movie coming out this year. I'm excited for it. Chef. Obviously. Yes, Chef. Big Night. Big Night, very underrated film, st- uh, starring Stanley Tucci. 
about a restaurant. Um, what about it's no- actually direct? It's directed by Stanley Tucci. You sound like you have not seen this. <laughs> no, no, I've seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> have you guys uh, ever with seen Tony Shalhoub? Have you guys ever seen No Reservations? The like the show. It's on my list to one day check out. Cool. Um, hey, Eddie's Million Dollar Cookoff. True. There you go. Eddie Dogs. Anyone? Okay. So uh, my dinner with Andre. <laughs> There's a dinner involved there. We're, dinner. Uh, <laughs> we're acting like we're like vamping. Like, man, we got to stretch this episode out. It's just not it's long not enough. Long enough. <laughs> um, I I have made Gaia like every time that I'm in the kitchen cooking something with Gaia, I go, yes, chef. And she says, yes, please chef. stop saying that. Um, um, and I'm, to, like, not, I'm not going to you stop. You try to like crawl up into her hair and start like yanking on it. I will. I've been, I've been doing that. Um, <laughs> uh, I love the bear. I, like I said, I watched a bunch of it last night. That's why it moved up my list, maybe uh, recency bias. But I just, I couldn't help it. It's just that good. Mm-hmm. It's that fucking good. It encapsulates that feeling so, so perfectly. It's, it's a good combo of very uh, complex, yet very simple. Yeah. You know, my number two and uh, Drew's four and Hunter's. Uh, five five there it is okay so we are at one here we are number one hunter it's time i can't believe that drew left me out here on rehearsal island but i'm gonna be out here uh nathan fielder put out a six episode television season and i think that this is one of the most inventive pieces of art that i've ever seen in my entire life uh it's the rehearsal yeah it's like a new it's like a new kind of I can't, I've watched the rehearsal, I think three times now. Um, I'm rehearsing watching the rehearsal to try and change the way that I am with my own behavior. This is, so it's funny because while watching the rehearsal, I kept thinking of uh, my least favorite thing in documentary filmmaking is when the documentarian inserts themselves into the story because normally it feels forced. It feels like you're taking away oftentimes in documentaries, especially worst made documentaries um they're only really interesting because the subjects are interesting and there's nothing dynamic with the filmmaking with the story that they're telling whatsoever the genius about nathan fielder and it's made me re-examine why i even love nathan for you in the first place is that he finds the banal and he finds things that are otherwise just so normal and mundane and not interesting and he is the thing that inserts interest and inserts dynamism into something that is otherwise just not unique in any way, shape, or form. There's a little bit of this with uh, How To With John Wilson as well in the most like more broad, artsy kind of way. But the genius of the rehearsal is that Nathan is so beyond I and I know part of this is just kind of the magic of editing and kind of letting the story come to you and being able to find pieces of it in post but at least the story that he's telling with the rehearsal is that he is able to take this superpower that he has which is kind of this hyper organization and this hyper attention to detail these flow charts (laughs) and create something that is otherwise a not interesting situation 
and imbue it with so much life and comedy and just really adds so much to what otherwise would be completely uninteresting in aspects of your life that you would never think twice about like telling somebody that you actually didn't graduate from college and like we're going to do this thing over and over again the way that this show constantly evolves episode to episode it's kind of shocking that this is only six episodes long like that this is only so much happens yeah this is less than six hours of television and it's just everything that's happening here i i just can't believe how much my jaw was dropped while watching this week to week i could not stop it's definitely show it's not for most people because of the level of like cringe is kind of on us it reaches a plane that most human beings are like, I cannot stand for that. Like well, that people, is people turned on it. There's too much. And people are like, Nathan's a sociopath. Yeah, no shit, guys. And of we course he him. is. That's why we embrace him. That's why we use him for like comedy. And he's our I I'm interested to know what season two is going to be, because I feel like in the rehearsal kind of did become a bit of a moment. And so is there going to be a little bit of a. uh um a thing where people know the shtick. So people are more resistant to actually take part in these shenanigans that Nathan is driving them down. But I, I just, this is one of the most special pieces of art that I've seen. It's, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fucking amazing. Um, it, I think, um, it, it may take a second or two to settle into the fact that we're dealing with like pure structureless TV in this show. Um, when, especially because Nathan for you is hyper structured episode to episode, um, this show, because it is a blank check show for Nathan, there is no oversight to what he's doing. It is like, like the entire premise is that he can do what he wants with their money. And so he he is going to create a bar, you know, brick by brick in in a studio warehouse. And then he's going to move the bar across the country with HBO's money. Yeah. And so that, that bleeds into the edit of the show and how, how our time is spent watching it episode to episode. Um, And yeah, the result is a really, really cool experience. Um, I, I mean, I totally sympathize with anyone who can't, it's not even the cringiness. Uh, it's the, the morality of the season is, is really, really tough at points. Um, it's the way that I, uh, excuse it. I think I said this when we originally talked about it is Nathan is doing what it is to be a reality television producer, but he's doing it on camera. Um, which is not a, no one would could ever look good doing that, I guess. Um, like for example, the, like the trashiest of trashy MTV shows like this year, I watched another season of a really bad show on MTV called, are you the one like truly like as bad as it gets in terms of exploiting the people on the show. So what, like number 11 on your list or what? If it came out this year, brother, it'd be really high because <laughs> you it's pure exploitation of, of like young, dumb, hot people who just signed up to be on this show and they are tortured. <laughs> that rocks. They, they, they are put in a house where the only thing that they can do is get fucked up 
and like hurt each other emotionally <laughs> in front of a camera. <laughs> it is so insanely fucked. I mean, it turns out that, that you know, it, it, it becomes like really fucked up, like to the point of that, that season in particular, uh, camera people were sort of <laughs> they they let borderline crimes happen on camera and didn't stop oh it you know God. what i mean yeah well because that's what it is to produce reality television it is it is waging into the the morally murky area of like in of forcing people to do entertaining things when they don't know yeah what like what mm-hmm. they are being made to do or why um so nathan is just taking that and saying yeah like yeah Here's I have this really incredible ability to manipulate people <laughs> within crazy structure. Let me push it to the furthest reaches possible. Because in in Nathan for you, there was still some type of fencing around what he could do. It was helping small businesses bring in more business. Yeah, and I mean he he's doing he's doing his shtick. He's the star of the show, but like. He doesn't ever insert himself into an episode of Nathan for you in the way that he does with the rehearsal. The closest thing is finding Francis where he becomes kind of this co-lead character in the finale to that. But even still, there's he sprinkled it a little bit throughout Nathan. Right. But I even still I think and part of it is just the structure like you're mentioning, Drew. It's like. Next episode, we're on to a different thing. So, like, as much as this episode's going to be 30 minutes about, like, the hero episode. Honestly, the hero is probably the best example of the yeah. closest thing to the rehearsal because that's just Nathan fully taking on the role of I'm gonna this step job. In. I'm yeah. going to pretend to be you here. Well, yeah, th- there's I, a lot of moments throughout Nathan for you that felt like precursors, like no smokers allowed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the bar of that becomes a play about the customers at the bar. Yeah. Um, that feels like that's the rehearsal. That feels like the rehearsal. (laughs) Like he is hiring people to perform mundane day to day. Yeah. Uh, you know, situations. And it's, it's, you know, uh, like that's the other element of this that it might lose some people, but like, we're all thrilled that he leaned more into like doing a Kaufman stuff. Um, Dude, he goes so I, yeah. far into it. Like, he, Ka- yeah, Kaufman, like IRL, full on. Um, like, it's just this is synecdoche. Like, yeah, you know, it's it's not. Um, it, you couldn't call it a ripoff because to do it in real life is an entirely different endeavor from like a production standpoint, from a writing standpoint. Yeah, this is this a, is at the hard. end of the day, you can't go surrealist with this because this is real life with real people and. The people who he finds, it's like it can't be underrated how he just found yeah. these characters. But and then just, he gets actors to play those people. Yeah, that's the, and then he gets a guy to play himself. I just with I those. <laughs> I like that guy. Benny Safty looking motherfucker. Yeah, he's here. the just, fourth, the fourth <laughs> Safty. Yeah. I, yeah, there I mean, there are a lot of a lot of the uh, you know, the smaller actors that they hired to play real people do phenomenal fucking jobs yeah. over the course of the season. The guy who plays Corb, I love <laughs> in Ep One. Ep one is an extremely strong pilot. Well, that was pre-COVID. It's uh yeah, good point. I, I'm so curious about like what happened 
like if the pandemic made the show be what it was it, because it, it well, felt like the show was going to be that. The, well, no, it it f- just factually did like change the way the show they they the way they made the show. And I think that that may be why it's my number two as opposed to number one, because I felt that watching it, the shift I felt. Well, I just I felt. And and part of it's because he's trying to be more revealing about the beh- the behind the scenes of it all. But like I felt the like, all right, what do we do now? Like what now we're in a house. You can't leave. Yeah, we're in the house. <laughs> this this chick sucks. <laughs> she but loves also, apocalypto though. You can't stop that's the I think that all of that like elevated the show. I think that this is the best piece of like COVID art that we are going to get is because it's so, and I think that the genius of the show that isn't ever talked about is the editing of documentary filmmaking. So much of it is just kind of found in post, even like not necessarily post, but like post on the day. It's just kind of working on the fly and figuring out like, all right, we got to like make some content. We got to pivot this story here somewhere. And I think that this show does that better than anywhere than anything else. And, a lot of that just kind of comes down to Nathan fully willing to insert himself into the story. And I think that's where a lot of people brush up against and they have that kind of issue that I mentioned on the outset of like, oh, you're like getting to it. You're supposed to be the Jeff Probst here. Jeff Probst isn't on the island with us eating uh, one cup of rice per day. Although that would rule. Um, he would, Maybe that's he would how you fix Survivor. It. Yeah, put Jeff with each of the tribes. Um, no, but like, this is somebody who has fully kind of incorporated themselves into the story that we are seeing here. And the dynamic episode to episode is, you're never going to be comfortable. You can never sit down at any given moment because the moment that you start to rest, the show's going to pivot again. Yeah. The show's going to kind of take another life of its own. You're going to introduce another character and then we're just going to follow this thread. And then you're going to introduce somebody else and it's like, wait, what's going on here? Now we have to bring this storyline into here and we're going to have this child in here and they grew up and maybe I realized I actually don't like my relationship with this child actor. So now we're going to do a do over. Well, these, no, it's because he, he leaves to go do a rehearsal and he's gone because it's an accelerated yeah. life for this kid. And he's gone doing this rehearsal that doesn't work out. The guy just like never shows up again. Yeah. And then he's, he comes back and the kid's all grown up and he's like, I missed this kid's life. That's the thing. Well, the shot, the shot of the kid <sighs> going down the slide and then coming, and coming back out, out younger is like, that's fucking cinema, man. It's, that's so good. Well, that's the thing. That's something that is found in editing it's found from nathan as like a producer of this show as well is like when you found this guy and you devoted so much time so much financial and so many different resources to this and then he just left that could be a disaster for a lot of shows and the fact that they found a way to take this plot thread and then incorporate it back into the main storyline here and find the arc yeah. It's just something I've just like, I I can't believe they did it. Like this is, this is why this is the movie of 20. This is the show of 2022 is I don't think that we will ever see a piece of art like this, like ever again, ever again. I can't, I've never seen anything like this in my life. How are we going to see anything like this ever again? Yeah. It's hard it's, be- because the, I mean, the levels of commitment alone 
uh, that he's able to reach are it's hard because it has to come from the executive in control of the show. That's the only person with the power to say, hey, um, let's pivot and like put me in the house now. <laughs> like just choices like that. That can only come from the very top. And the very top is never someone who is that willing to uh, pursue an idea that's like not guaranteed to make money. There's no it's, precedent. There's no proof of concept that they're showing an executive at the network and being like, well, this show actually did this in season three. I don't and know. It how works. No show's ever done this. any of I, it. I don't know how Nathan got the leash to do this. Like I had a couple moments when watching the show where I was like, did HBO like Loki spend a hundred million dollars on the rehearsal? <laughs> <laughs> All this stuff. Like they is do this, a fake, they do a fake Christmas. With, is like, this fake like snow? as expensive as house of the dragon because of all of the logistics that they're working on here? They, they built this, set scratch like piece by piece and then like <laughs> moved it across the entire country like i just i have no idea how nathan got away with it it feels criminal and in the end it's just hbo winning again because this show was a ginormous hit well he and gets he gets final say i mean he's well, EP, no but that's the thing how did they i that's kind of the it's the of deal it's, it's the deal he signed with and that's them. the thing that hbo is that's why they get this is because they give creators the freedom to just fully swing for the fences, but it worked. I'm so, so glad that this didn't end up somewhere where the vision had to become compromised and whatever else. There's, there's two things that I need to mention before we move on. Number one, Robin, he found himself upright after crashing his scion TC mm -hmm. at hundred miles Dr per hour. Yeah, it was a hundred miles an hour. <laughs> every time I, every time I see an 88, I go 88. Yeah. Uh, absolute king just a horrible person just <laughs> the worst human being nothing is gonna be better than him arguing he stayed for him, like four hours and then he was like i gotta go that's like that's a classic with, type of like neo uh dumb guy <laughs> that like that that exact guy i there there are a million of him it's guys who are just like two online but the funniest thing is him with his roommate who his roommate's like full reddit brain of like actually i'm beyond religion so it's like well both of you guys are annoying as hell and he's like i don't know if you get if you read that i think it was the vice article that came out afterwards where he's just like yeah no my roommate uh he he actually died shortly after filming i think that's for the best honestly uh because he's not with god, oh my god. <laughs> i'm like oh you suck dude like the shot the say. shot of him hitting the bong and then cut to Nathan driving the car. Yeah. And it's like, are you, are you sure? Yeah. I don't need sure a license plate. <laughs> that That's the exact type of guy who hasn't uh, not been high since like high school. Yeah. You know, so like all everything that he says makes perfect sense to him. And the other thing I wanted to shout out is the Fielder Method, which is episode four. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite episode. The acting class. Um, that only he could do this. Yeah. It's, it's so good. It's insane. It's it's wildly advanced. It's also not it's a good skewering of like acting method and, and acting class culture, but at the same time it also is like a fairly interesting acting exercise. And like I would feel like I was getting my money's worth if I were taking that class. Sure. Because like it's all made up. Like yeah. acting method yeah. is a made up thing. Uh it's teaching you how to impersonate, which well, impersonation is like half of acting. To that so. point, like you know, we we talked about this back in the day when when Nathan for you was on, but it's like he Nathan is playing a character like he's always playing a character. But this show makes you guess more than ever 
how blurry that line gets between him and the character. And at the very end in the, in the final episode, it really makes you just make your own conclusion as to what happens in that final scene when it shows his ass, when he shows his ass crack is like, is that him truly being himself for real? Or is that him just fucking with us and making us think that he's being, see that's, that's, he is still a magician at heart. Like, you know, that, like that is, that's his background in that. It, I think that there will, that, like, I, I sort of struggle with that a little bit. I feel like there's always going to be a little bit of a layer that he doesn't the artifice, show us. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is hard to come to grips with in a show that's all about, you know, manipulation. Yeah. And yeah, like, well, and also, it, and also peeling back the layers of <laughs> artifice yeah. behind TV. I mean, he dresses up as the mom of this child it's, actor. Call me. I'm your dad. Pretend Wait, daddy. I, um, <laughs> Shouts, yeah, shouts to the kid who's acting like the kid at the end because that kid's really good. <laughs> oh my god, the layers. dude, the the like 16 year old who's like <laughs> jumping in like the little ones, and then he's was. out there hitting the vape. Yeah, he's like, I love you, daddy. <laughs> god, this show's so good, man. I just, I'm gonna fire up the rehearsal whenever I get home tonight. I just, I can't stop. It's so good. I just, I love it. Shout out to Nathan Fielder, the rehearsal. Okay. I can't believe one. that it's coming back for another season. Amazing. And how do you do it? Drew, uh, this was your number two. Um, I'll touch on my number one real quick. We did a whole episode on this. It's better call Saul. <laughs> this uh, could have, I mean, this sh- probably should be my number one in any other year. It's it's possibly the best season yet of the show. Shout out to Javi, who was on mm-hmm. our episode. I salute you, Bob Odenkirk, Vince Gilligan, Peter Gould. Everyone who worked on this show, um, the Queen, Ray Seahorn, everyone just absolute knocked it out of the park. 10 out of 10. I couldn't be happier. I went into this final season knowing it was going to be a banger and every episode was a banger mm. and it took me on a ride full of twists and turns, uh, just delivered no, no complaints, no yeah. notes, 10 out of 10. Incredible. It's a 10 out of 10. It's perfect. I'm so glad that I don't know if we're going to do an episode on like our best first watches of the year this year, like we have in the last couple of years. But if we did, this would be up at the very top as far as I did. I took the better call Saul dive this year. And is it better than breaking bad? I mean, worst case, it's like on the same tier as breaking bad, like at, at, minimum if it's not actually just a better it's definitely a more consistent show than breaking bad episode to episode and to, to follow up one of the best shows ever and be like yeah we're we're gonna we're gonna go for it yeah we're gonna give you everything and more it's hard to say if it's better than breaking bad because it's like well this show doesn't exist without breaking bad so like how do you really kind of level the two but i mean either way this it's so good ray seahorn just absolute absolute goddess fucking love her bob odenkirk i mean you know ever they did it vince gilligan peter gould just they they fucking did it number one beautiful BCS. love it all right let's close it out my number one theme song not th- I, not even theme song opening sequence mm. of mm. the year i was gonna say a white lotus theme is no pretty fucking yeah hard. it is 
Oh my god, when they when they played it during the uh the Globes as Jennifer Coolidge was accepting her award, I was like, yeah, I could I could rage out to this. It's it's really impressive what they did with the season two theme song. Yeah. Anyway, season three, it's going to get problematic. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be like an anime opening. (laughs) Oh, Um, my God. Actually, that would rock. (laughs) Yeah, that that, tell me that wouldn't. That'd be so cool. Severance. Number one, Drew. I'm honestly I'm shocked, but not really, because this is. We have kept talking about this the, more the, and more this, since it came When out. it comes to, like, you know, firing out of the chamber at full velocity, this is the show. Exactly. It's my favorite uh, season one in years. Like, I think it's it does everything that you should do. Uh, I... I don't know if it's going to be able to keep this up. I suspect it won't. Um, we there, shall see. There's a ton of plot left to be explored, obviously, with the show, like where, especially where it leaves us uh, on like an of unbelievable cliffhanger at the end of season one. But we're not self-contained anymore at the end of season one. Like we are, we are exploring the world, and that's always dicey. Um, you never know; it could be great. Season one is. Oh my god! It's just it's impeccable. Like the the look, the direction, the pace. Uh, it has a really good mesh of actors in it. Like just um, getting along in that office. It has a good collection of people you know uh, and people you don't know. Um, people that are going to be famous. What's what's the guy's name who plays? Um, he he. You know, Melchick. Yeah. The supervisor? Oh, uh, Trammell Tillman. Yeah. Uh, one of the performances of the year for me. Um, and then you have people like Christopher Walken just like pop in for a few eps. Mm-hmm. Um, John Turturro. Yeah. I mean, Turturro uh, is, yeah, he, he becomes, I don't know, maybe like the fourth lead of the show. Um, we, it's so, the, the vibe is out of control. Yeah, I mean it's it's all in it's all in writing and direction style more than anything. The direction is nuts. Like Stiller is is a, a craftsperson. Yeah. Um he's wildly meticulous like behind the scenes uh everyone has said who's who's worked with him as a director. Um and it And um Oifi McCarty. McCarty. Mhm. Yes. <laughs> Skinty Fia. <laughs> <laughs> It just it it all pays off, um, and it's all based on the bones of just an incredible pilot script. That, like I said, the the journey of it is it truly was. Yeah, Dan Erickson. He he's talked a lot about how he worked. He worked at like some kind of office environment, and he just was always thinking about like if he got to write a show, what it would be about. And this is like the best case scenario for like college guy writes a script yeah. about something and yeah, well, they just it's but it's not it's not just that like he worked on it for many years and yeah. refined it it's not like this was draft one yeah and uh apparently ben stiller had a lot of input oh yeah in what if it eventually ended yeah. up becoming. well i mean ben stiller gen x icon uh, obviously going to be enthralled by the idea of what if office is bad mm. that that blew their mind when fight club <laughs> dropped back then gen xers were like Doy? we don't what? have to do that. <laughs> um 
it it's it it rises so far beyond that though. It creates the it's like this neo like retro futurism you would almost call it um where the 80s and 2030s are alive at once. Anytime we explore a new annal of the office, I'm so into it. You know, anytime we we learn more lore about the uh the goats. Yeah, about about Lumen, Lumen and the Egans and, yeah. and all of that. Um mega into it. It like the way it plays as yeah, as like religious allegory, the way it plays as uh governmental allegory. It it all is I don't know, it all is is taking such a big swing um that for it to work is a miracle. Did you ever watch Lost? Um not sequentially. This this show reminds me a lot of Lost, and I'm a little worried about that comparison because I I mean I love Lost like Lost is like absolutely seminal for my love of television. But are you thinking like do they know where it's going? Right, yeah. like yeah. I mean I, I you you know you know Lindelof is like my guy, but dude like he didn't have full control over that show at a certain point. He was being pressured by ABC to kind of keep the wheel spinning. I'm not saying that's what's happening with this show, but what ended up happening with Lost is it introduced a lot of mysteries mm -hmm. that were never fully explored to a satisfying extent. And, you know, I'm not saying that like a show has to tie up every loose ends to be a satisfying story, but the amount of things that this first season introduces that makes you feel like, oh my God, what a what a world that we could explore. It makes me a little bit worried of like, are they go are they going to explore it? Are my am I gonna feel like it's potential that's never capitalized on? It think, worries me a little bit. I mean, I think for that reason, this this is not fair to Severance. And I think that the reason why I have it at seven, which I still love this show. I love this season of television and not higher is because of a couple different factors. One of them is that you mentioned lost. I had a little bit just in kind of the aftermath of the show is like, God, I hope this isn't the next West world. I hope this isn't <laughs> a show where it's just like, it's a really good potential one season. And then they just completely let it get out of their hands. I and really take on a life not. of its own season two, three, four. I hope that doesn't happen. I don't think it's going to happen. It's with definitely ben not going to happen because the ben thing Stiller is a much more steadier hand than the King the Nolan, uh, Jonah Nolan. Yeah. Nolan and Lisa Joy. Yeah. The, the thing with with Westworld is as good as that first season was, it was piling on way too much. Like imagine imagine if this first season of Severance was cutting between two completely different timelines that had nothing to do with each other. Exactly. And then at the end, it was like, actually, that guy was Adam Scott all along. Yeah. It's also it's, answering a lot of questions. Like, like It is. Yeah, it's not full. Well, the big thing, everything out there, the, the things that it's not answering are actually not that important. It's answering the important. Ones. It's answering the, the big theoretical questions. What the, what is left to be discovered is is a lot of specifics a and b plot mm. like wh while a lot of like the the fundamental questions about the nature of this technology have been answered like what happens in the finale means that things have to happen now like 
big things have yeah. to start happening every single episode. Oh. That, that's another thing. I, we we can't. It's going to be hard for them to take their foot off the gas I, moving forward. I think, I think there's going to be a reset. Yeah, yeah. Two. That's the thing. I'm sure they will because you you cannot uh, go breakneck. It, it won't last. There's going to be an urgency it's, to it. But I think there's going to be well, a ticking clock. I, there's a ticking clock, but also like I think that there has to be some kind of re- the thing is. So the season finale of Severance, I think, is like up there for just the best episodes of television this year. Um, as far as just a perfect piece, yeah, perfect like and the pilot too. Forty five minutes of television. This is my favorite type of sci fi. This is the kind of the grounded the the her the Jonathan Glazer under the skin where it's sci fi but it's so minimalist and it's after Yang it's it's more about production design and mood than it is explaining anything about like the technology the worst case scenario for severance moving forward is that we start to like learn the minutia of like what they're doing with the coding. That's like the worst. I don't care. Don't go star Wars prequel on me. I don't care about what's happening with all this stuff. That is the least interesting stuff to all of this. I think that what Ben Stiller and, um, Everybody, uh, Dan Erickson, Dan Erickson, uh, <laughs> I was trying to look up who the other I guys are. You. Uh, I Andrew Colville is another guy who like is, writes a few episodes. Chris Black, like what that whole team is doing, like the way that they are presenting this world is the most interesting part to me. The world is what works. I think that where season two has a place to improve is in the characters. Cause I think that that is one spot, at least for me that I think is, I don't want to say lacking, but could have, has places to grow is that I do. I want to learn more about Mark's well, by, character. By nature, I it is nebulous by nature. Cause that's like the premise of the right. story. But I think that that's where I'm talking about. There being a reset is I think that we can kind of keep this world, but we can add, a little bit more emotionality to all of this. Well, I mean, I, what I'm trying to say is that like, you know, the people that you know at work, you don't really know them. Like you don't really get to know them. You know, a version of them. And that's like, that's like the feeling that you get from these characters. Like you don't really know them. And then you get this little tiny peek at who they are. And then you want to find out more. And they, you know, that's a tease for what's next, but it's like, obviously like it sucks that, the characters aren't as fully developed as we want, but it's by design because it's, it will, yeah, and it's the innies. And that's also what season two is going to have to be about is about each of these characters uh, reconciling both of these personalities that they have. Um, I mean, the biggest discrepancy is in Heli. Obviously we learned something about Heli in the finale that is going to take a lot of unpacking yeah. and it's going to be what more than anything, what drives the plot of the whole show moving forward. Um, and I'm excited for that because also I think Britt Lower is a great actress. Um, and yeah, I'm excited she, to see where she great. goes. Uh, Adam Scott is also just a mega uh, – it's 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 a disservice to call him serviceable, but it's it's in the, the most complimentary way. Like he does exactly what you need for your – your you're like – Again, not in a, a mean way, but like your boilerplate, like the person you need to follow. Yeah. You need someone to hold your playable character. <laughs> yeah, you're your your big boy to the rest of the show's Andre. Yeah. <laughs> it's 
Well, no, but I think that you're this, Paul to the rest of the show is John. Get the fuck out I, of here. That's dismissing Paul, okay? You no, it's not. That's what I'm saying. Paul's no, it's name. not. You, I think, no, I think that I get what you're saying in that I think that this is another, like, it's a level up performance that I love Adam Scott. I've been loved Adam Scott. You talking, you choose to me. Um, are you regarding R.E.M. regarding me? It's are you talking R.E.M. to R.E. me? Um, I love Adam Scott. Adam Scott's like one of my guys. This is a level up performance for him. I did not know that he had these kind of dramatic chops in him. He rocks. And his line delivery on the final line of the season had me like it gave me fucking chills all over. I'm definitely going to rewatch this whole season before season two drops, Um, which should be soon. They are shooting it. It's in production. Holds up upon rewatch. The show oh, you does. did rewatch. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. And it, it got better. It, mm. it rose on my list because of rewatch, to be honest. Oh, um, my God. Nice. Yeah. I'm excited. It, because it, it doesn't feel like I rewatched Westworld season one not long after watching it. And it felt more hollow um, because you could see that you could see the, the violent ends to those violent delights. Mm. <laughs> Well, um, you lucked out because now you can't watch it. It is not available <laughs> to Oops. anyone. It never existed. Yeah, well. Yeah, did it ever hey, really exist? Shout out to uh, pa- Patty Arquette. Got to shout her yeah. around. Chaos mode, like acting wise. She's yeah. just, she's doing like 10 different things. Go for it. Patricia, Love to see it. Go for it, sis. Well, that's our list. That's our favorite best top TV shows of 2022. We did it. We are in the halfway point of listomania almost there boys almost there uh thank you all for listening please be Mm -hmm. sure to rate review and subscribe actually should we uh do some fire rapid fire honorable mentions before we wrap up yeah i guess my number 11 was winning time that was like the one i wanted to keep in there man that i had to cut out that's one of my really i really want you guys to watch that show i i I couldn't find a spot for it. I, God, I'm, I, that's one of my biggest regrets, my biggest blind spot regrets that I just, I need to watch that show. I know that I'm going to love it. I fucking love basketball, yeah. love eighties basketball stuff. Um, for all mankind season three, they went to Mars. They did it. Cool. Great time. Happy loved it. You. House of the dragon. We did a pod with uh Brett shout yeah. out. Um, what we do in the shadows continues How- to be just a plus television. Can I be honest? I had House of the Dragon in my top ten, and I was like, "Wait, I didn't like the first third of that season. Sure, therefore it doesn't belong in my sure. top. I had to boot it kind of last minute because I was just like, I where I think the highs of House of the Dragon are incredible, but it's got some low. Lows. It's it's a very much a filler setup for the future of that show. Abbott Elementary." Continues to fly the um, the sitcom flag. Super Good solid show. Going yeah. going hard, just doing its thing. Uh, our flag means death on HBO Max. It's it's pirates. It's a Taika Waititi who in a in a post Love and Thunder world you may not want to see on your television, but he does a good job. And you know it's gay pirates. You know they love each other. <laughs> uh, hacks we talked about. That should have been on your list. I, that, I didn't see season two. We talked about season one. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Long ago. Great, great season two. Continuing the trend. And Euphoria. Incredible filmmaking. I need to watch Euphoria, yeah. Uh, you know, not so great writing, but 
on a filmmaking level, uh, really loved it. Any honorable mentions? Stranger Things is pretty good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. I, uh, my, my still to watch is, is rough. Um, industry is like near the top there. Have you seen, are you an one? industry guy? I, I, I enjoy it. I mean, it's not, oh. it's not one of my things. Oh. I, it's in my, are you a slow horses kind it's of in guy? the next tier down of everything I just mentioned? I, my parents like that show. You're Sheridan Hood? Are you, are you going to get into Copenhagen cowboy? Hell no. Are you a Tulsa King? No, I wish. I'm a Tulsa you gonna watch uh, Outer Lands? Um, I really like Cabinet of Curiosities on Netflix. That's the oh, Guillermo yeah. show. Um, also, guys, Minx is a show on HBO. They got Zaslavd cut, cut, but just saw the news today. Got picked up by Stars. So I really Are you recommend gonna it. Up your, st- Are you gonna renew your star subscription yes. in order to watch that. It's okay. with uh, Jake Johnson of New Girl fame. Cool. It's I don't know if you guys have heard the premise. It's like, um, uh, what if there was a ladies porn mag in the seventies? And it's you know it's cool. It's not dramatic. It's fun. It's nice. It's snappy. You know, quick pace, funny. Um, also, I, I mentioned this before, Players on Paramount oh, yeah. Plus from the guys that made American Vandal nice. uh, about League of Legends yeah. uh, competitors. I need to watch that. Yeah. Really good show. Um, everything else is all slop. All of this is slop. Russian Doll had a second season that was pretty good. Uh, oh, Bust Down. That should have been on your list. Bust Down on Peacock. <sighs> You're right. Rest in peace. Just throw it, put it, give us two seconds and we'll put it at your number 10. Um, really funny show. Canceled and uh, yeah, rest in peace, Jack Knight. Better or worse than The Mole? <laughs> I did I did not say that The Mole was on my list. You did. I okay. didn't give, I have a top seven list. Okay. You don't know what's under that. <laughs> okay. And it's not bust down. It could be. <laughs> Could not be. Could be the mole. <laughs> uh, Marvelous Mrs. Mis- so, some some unhonorable mentions. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel had a new season that was just not good. Just heavily crippled by the pandemic. Mm. Uh, Bake Off was like not that great this year. Some standout highlights, but uh, nothing nothing to show for. And Search Party ended, and it was okay. Man. I liked it, but it was you know. Any good uh, CISO like reruns that you want to give a shout out to? Or um... I, I wish CISO still existed. Man, man. R.I.P. CISO. Uh, Did you ever finish Rings good, of Power? Uh, no, no, I need to finish Rings okay. of Power. I started um, it. Uh, what's you your take started? on Realms? You, you, whoa, oh my whoa. God. You're giving us this in you hour three to, of the you podcast. Went to a different realm. You started the rings of power. <laughs> oh my god, Drew! Can you give us like? Can you give us four thousand words on rings of power? Galadriel. I was. I misspoke. I was in the room when it was <laughs> okay. when it was where it happened. Right. It, when it came on, it happened. Rings of power happened to you, is what you're saying. Yeah, and I really couldn't have been uh, more unaffected. It like it did not affect me positively or negatively it was so not what if i told you that they're trying to break free of peter jackson's masterpiece in the original or the mm. rings trilogy mm. yeah mm. they're trying to break free of what might be the best trilogy ever made it, uh, it was best fantasy trilogy it was some made. of the most flatly delivered 
medieval dialogue I have ever heard it's in tough. my life. It was the, it, the most I've heard that there's highs and lows. Zero um, affect in the acting, and they're delivering very exposition heavy, uh, old school language. You gotta fix one of the things yeah. there. I, Update the language or make better. Act- well, I'm well there, be are, there are dwarves. And the dwarves <laughs> don't do that. They are actually like, like have epic life. mode. They're speaking yeah. like Irish, basically. Yeah, there's like yeah, the heart of our lad. Yeah, they're um, they're Gimli mode. They're speaking <laughs> banshees of Inishir. Not to be racist. I <laughs> I I think that there's one thing between Rings of Power and House of the Dragon. I was like, God damn, was Game of Thrones good? Yeah. <laughs> the whole time I was watching both those shows, I was like, I think we yeah. underrated Hunter, how uh, good Game of Thrones was at just like making like high fantasy just like deeply watchable and fun and entertaining you're, you're leo at the end of uh of don't look up we really did have everything we had we? everything and then benny off and vice last last thing i'll mention uh sandman on netflix just i'm contractually obligated by the sandman crowd to bring it up i thought that there was, was an outside good. chance that that was going to make your list and you, <laughs> we we're gonna have to be here and be like okay this you're such a plant happy for this you. is all big sarandos cool <laughs> it was it was good um there was a new season of uh the floor is lava <laughs> this year okay a Speak new season actually there was three new seasons of um uh nailed it i think i watched okay. all of them um I could let you borrow them for your lister if you want them. Okay. Um, we got to wrap it up. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with the best movies of 2022. In the meantime, you can stay tuned um, by visiting webottomike.net for all the latest updates and become a donor at anchor.fm slash webottomike. Thank you, all you beautiful donor donors, for making the show possible. And uh, join the Discord if you haven't already. Breathe some life into it because I don't have the time to do so. <laughs> if here's the question, I, I'm thinking of this in terms of Survivor. Um, if we get a big enough block to just move there and not talk in the group chat anymore on Facebook, what do you think the odds are that it it happens? Well, the thing is, is there there are people in the Discord there's just no activity I, on it. Well, I have to, the problem is with moving is that I just have so many different group chats that are based on messenger and I need them all to move to discord simultaneously. Cause shut it all down. I'm not shuffling between multiple apps. I just, I don't have time for that. Yeah. Um, well, here's no, here's the key. There is a movie com- coming out called plane. So if we just it's do a coming plane this weekend, if we do a plane channel, mm-hmm. that's going to everyone will flock if to we, the plane well, channel. Where's the Megan channel? I do want to know where the Megan channel is. It's it's not the 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 crowd, the audiences, the masses have been clamoring for our Megan pod. What do we think about a real girl playing a not real girl? Oh, is she a, real? A, it's an How anti-Pinocchio it? situation. Is she a doll? Is she CGI? She, How do they it's a it real work? girl playing a doll. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Magic of filmmaking. All right. Thanks for listening. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>